0: Dum 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 Kalamazoo. You know that song Kalamazoo? Mm hmm. This, this beer I'm drinking is from Kalamazoo Street in Michigan. I always thought Kalamazoo was a, was a city, but it might just be a street in Marshall, Michigan. I've got a cold.
1: I go. <coughs> the city of Kalamazoo.
0: Oh, it's from Kalamazoo. Well, there's a street in Marshall, Michigan called Kalamazoo also. I just heard that from Tessa, our bartender. Oh. Here at Gephardt's Beer Culture Bar on West 72nd Street.
1: Kalamazoo is a city in the southwest region of the U.S. state of Michigan. Michigan. It is the county seat of Kalamazoo County.
0: Right. Michigan. We've never been to Michigan.
1: I gotta get... We did that song once. We sang the song to this beer already. I got a gal from Kalamazoo. You
0: mean I've, I've had this beer before?
1: Yep. Yep. And we sang about it.
0: Wow. You know what? Oh, maybe. I'm looking at my notes. Now I lost it. Yeah, this, the, the, what I'm drinking is Dark Horse smells like a safety meeting beer. IPA, double IPA.
1: What's a safety meeting? I,
0: I don't know. I asked Tessa. She didn't know? She said, that's a weird name. And it is a weird name.
1: Smells like a safety meeting. It
0: smells like a safety meeting. I don't
1: know. Are you recording? Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, we're doing we're doing our opening now. Yeah. Okay. And okay. I can I can I can pick some pick some from it. So we're both coming down with a cold.
1: Well, you're you're coming out of it hopefully. You're coming out of it. Well, it's c- it's coming
0: out of me. Ew. That's <coughs> coming straight out of my Stop. chest.
1: That's how come I'm getting sick.
0: Yeah. You know, if I uh, if I start coughing and run out of the room,
1: you're making me sick.
0: I'm. Uh, it's because I have to go out to the street to do some uh, oh, never expectorating. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. That's why I left the door open here.
1: I got a gal in Kalamazoo, something like that. Dun, you you dun, played dun, dun, the dun, dun, music dun, dun. too.
0: Well, we can we can we could do that, but we, then we have to go to the pop pop, uh, bop pop. Okay, yeah. whatever you like. So we're both uh, we're both coming down with colds, and. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what else to talk about. I, well, I mean, I, I, I'm really excited about this ball I found. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like.
1: You found it at the. I
0: found it at Essex Lawn Bowling Green out in Bloomfield. In the gym
1: or in the in the locker room? Or it was in the, it was sitting was out on the, on the on
0: the on the grass.
1: So somebody, some poor child, left it there.
0: Some poor child left it there, and, and I took, took a, it. Wow. Well, I don't know what child to, was there. A dollar wow. out there. wow! Oh, no, I know. I thought I saw a dollar, blowing in the breeze. It was a leaf. It was a <laughs> green leaf. It's a green leaf.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. That's horrible. I don't know They're who the child was. Up. I'm
0: getting to play with it. And I'm going to play with my grandson. you are going to
1: come back and look for Where's their ball. My ball? Exactly. My ball?
0: I got okay. a kid. You can't have it back. <laughs> I'm loving this ball. It's so bouncy.
1: Yeah, that's what the kid thought too. I was hitting it up he against loved his the wall, ball. and
0: I didn't want to go bowling. I was having such a great time. Mm.
1: Okay, yeah. that's all very interesting, honey. Is it? Is, Is it? it? Is it? Is I was? it? I think so. But um, I'm Rebecca McCain and he is Alan Winston and you're tuned into. to <laughs> Oh God. <clears throat> I'm gonna do this again. All right. Okay. Are you done?
0: I I, I no, we we'll go.
1: I'm Rebecca McCain. He is Alan Winston, and you are tuned in to Bar Curl Radio at Gephardt's Beer Culture Bar, episode number 46 coming up, and here we go.
2: This is what Dorothy wrote in September of 1945 after the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Mr. Truman was jubilant, President Truman, true man. What a strange name, come to think of it. We refer to Jesus Christ as true God and true man. Truman is a true man of his time in that he was jubilant. He was not a son of God, brother of Christ, brother of the Japanese jubulating as he did. He went from table to table on the cruiser which was bringing him home from the Big Three conference, telling the great news. Jubilant, the newspapers said. Jubilate Deo, we have killed 318,000 Japanese. That is, we hope we have killed them, the Associated Press on page one, column one of the Herald Tribune says. The effect is hoped for, not known. It is to be hoped that they are vaporized, our Japanese brothers, scattered, men, women, and babies, to the four winds over the seven seas. Perhaps we will breathe their dust into our nostrils, feel them in the fog of New York on our faces, feel them in the rain on the hills of Easton. Jubilate Deo, President Truman, was jubilant. We have created destruction, We have created a new element called Pluto. Nature had nothing to do with it.
0: With us today on Bar Crawl Radio are Martha Hennessy and Carmen Trotta, members of the Catholic worker movement founded by Dorothy Day and Peter Morin in 1933 in the Lower East Side of Manhattan. The Catholic worker has grown to over 200 autonomous communities around the nation. In fact, we have uh, some Catholic workers from Michigan here with us today on the Gephardt's porch and they are committed to voluntary poverty, prayer, and hospitality for the homeless, exiled, hungry, and forsaken.
1: One more item. Martha and Carmen are under house arrest for trespassing onto the Kings Bay Naval Submarine Base in St. Mary's, Georgia on April 4th, 2018. Their team of seven entered the Strategic Weapons Facility Atlantic Administration Building where the Trident nuclear missiles are stored. Their charges carried a maximum penalty of over 20 years in a federal prison. We will learn more about what they did and why they did it later in this BCR program. For now, welcome Carmen and Martha to our podcast. Thank you. And what are you drinking?
0: Yeah, we asked you to find out what you're drinking there.
1: Well, since I'm
2: from Vermont and our state bird is the hermit thrush, I chose this drink, the hermit thrush something
3: or other. All right. There you go. Sour and pale. Did you actually do that on purpose?
0: Oh, okay. Fascinating. She
3: nodded yes. I was all excited when I heard a minute ago it was from Vermont. I was like, "Whoa, Martha's from Vermont too! What a coincidence!" Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. No,
0: obviously, not a coincidence at all. And, and Carmen, what? Yeah, and you're drinking. I
3: got a KCBC block. Blocktopus.
0: Blocktopus. block-topus.
1: You know, those guys <laughs> must have fun naming these beers. That's what I gotta yeah. say. they're That's like weird. in the back room going, "What are I, we gonna name this one?" From, from
3: the I, Kings I gave, County I, Brewing Company.
0: Yeah, I gave mine earlier. Dark horse smells like safety meeting.
1: Which I c- I have
0: no idea what that I means. don't think it smells good. But, but I have
1: a feeling it doesn't smell good.
0: No, you would hate this. You would hate this. Yeah. It, co- it comes from uh, Marshall, Michigan, and our our uh, Catholic worker uh, uh, guests here are from Michigan. Michigan, yes. Right, right. So
1: uh, it's all very apropos. Do you like it?
0: I I do. I like I like kind of almost vile beers. I like beers that kind of like attack you, especially since I've got this cold now and it's like it's like cutting through all the. He you likes know, pain. You know, we could
3: change there this is No I don't
0: want you I don't want to give you my germs. You don't you don't you don't need And that. I'm
1: drinking water. You know. This time.
0: So, uh let's go let's uh, we we have to stop all the fun here. Uh we open this Barcrow Radio episode with Martha reading Dorothy Day's response to the US attack on Hiroshima, Japan at the end of World War II. The the uh, the complete statement will be heard at the end of this at this episode. Um I think I can safely say that most of our listeners do not know Dorothy Day. I mean, at one time she was she was known, but I don't know that many people know who she is, what she did, or the Catholic Worker Movement. Certainly, the people here on the porch know.
1: Well, well, the people who listen to um, uh, our former uh, bar call radio. Win- um, Witness oh, Against Torture, know. No, 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 Brian and Brian, Kathy aren't Brian they Brian Catholic Terrell, workers? Brian, sure. Terrell, yeah.
0: I mean, obviously they're all Catholic th- workers. That your community knows about it, um, and ours too now. And, w- and we do too, and we want it, We want <laughs> others to know. We want others to know what, yes. what you all are doing. I understand it's built on a core Catholic beliefs but i'm a partially practicing jew. becky is an atheist. can we talk about the catholic worker and dorothy day in ways that becky and i and our listeners who may not have heard of dorothy day and the catholic worker so that we can understand it, understand what's going on. that's, that's kind of our goal, right?
1: okay. did you have a question following that?
0: well, i mean, i mean is it i mean is is dorothy day available what's to to those who are not catholic who are, you know, who are, who are not believers of God, even.
3: Well, she's sure. a very interesting person. Dorothy is a, is a socialist, as a young woman, a suffragette. Uh, she's an anti-imperialist. She's part of the Anti-Imperialist League. Um, early on, as a young woman writer, uh, she was opposed to U.S. entrance into World War I. Uh, she supported Sandino from uh, trying to kick the United States out of Nicaragua so many years ago in tw- 1927. Um, so Dorothy came from the left. Right, right. She had loved Bernie Sanders. Well, I, she was, I think, considerably further to the left than Bernie. Than Bernie. Okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, I mean, that's a place to sort of begin with her. There is then a, um, a very deep conversion to Catholicism, and I think, I think, that is in part due to the regard that she had, herself living something of a bohemian life, but the regard that she had for the working class. And she was a junior, pro- IWW person also. Right. Um, and that's International she a, wor- uh, um, Workers of the World. Workers of the World, right. right. Um, and so she talks about in a number. She talks about some of the working class women that she had met over the years and her sort of great admiration for her. And it could be that her choice, she had been a fervent Episcopalian child, as a little girl. Um, but her choice of Catholicism, I think, was influenced by wanting to be one with the working class. Okay. I think. Now, Martha, it's Martha's granny, so she can tell you much more. Right. No, no, and we're, we're
0: going to find out more about you. We're going we're gonna to like circle back to Dorothy Day and the Catholic Worker.
3: Yeah, but before we get
1: into any deeper into Dorothy Day and what she helped create, uh, let's find out a bit about what you do um, at the Catholic Worker Community Houses in downtown, downtown Manhattan. Carmen, you reside at St. Joseph's House and Martha at Mary House, both in the Bowery. Um, What are these places? What happens?
2: Well, they're called Houses of Hospitality,
1: and uh, Peter Moran
2: had a vision of caring for the poor. We consider Matthew 25 our manifesto, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, uh, give drink to the thirsty. And for myself, I am a wife and a mother and a grandmother, and... I have been volunteering at Mary House. I, I don't live there full-time. You full don't time. live there. Mm-hmm. I'm how, how
0: much time do you spend there?
2: Well, probably a little less than half of my time. To, half a week? Yeah, I try to break it up.
3: You a week know, here, a Bigger week there. stints of time. Right. And right. Carmen,
0: how long are you at St. Joseph's?
3: A little over 30 years.
0: Yeah, But you don't spend the whole week there. It's like the half a week and then...
3: I Typically, I used to spend the whole week there. My father is 91 years old and... Um, so I've been given some attention to my father by going home and um, cooking uh, three days a week and just tending to him in certain right, ways, right. and at this point, preparing for trial. Right, <laughs> right. and we, yes. we,
0: we're going to get to that, and we're going to get to Peter Morin, too. Mm-hmm. We want to learn about, more about him, because he's a very important figure in this whole Catholic Catholic Worker movement. Um, I was yes.
1: curious, um, so I know that a lot of the shelters in town, and I don't know if this is anything like that, they have uh, restrictions in terms of how long you can stay at the shelter, you know, uh, oh, just one night or two nights. Do you have, are, there, are those city ordinances or do you, are, what is yours like? We're not an agency. We try to be more of a home, an extension
2: of an actual home. People come to us and people die with us. So they
1: can stay as long as they need to.
3: Yeah, I think mostly. Uh, A majority of the people who come to live at the Catholic Worker end up staying, spending the rest of their lives at the Catholic Worker. Wow. Two-thirds of the community are people who would, um, who came from the streets or from uh, dire circumstances. Right. And then,
1: but then you, do you feed more even than the people that live in the house? Do you have? Yes. Yes. The
2: soup line is quite a bit larger than the people who live at the house. Is it literally
0: a soup line or is it?
3: It is literally a soup line. Right. Someone someone recently said that. This is the only place that calls itself a soup kitchen. That is actually a soup kitchen. A soup kitchen. A soup kitchen. kitchen. We have soup kitchen every and
0: what, what is the favorite soup?
3: Well, actually, at St. Joe's right now, we have this uh, for the last uh, six years. My roommate, Jeffrey, um, is the one who does the soup at the house, and he's a genius. He goes down and makes his own thing uh, week after week. Lots of greens. It's always vegetarian. If it's not vegetarian, we inform the people there um, that some of it has meat in it.
0: And I guess no milk or dairy or something or that in it. No, there, there's there is milk. That,
3: yeah, there might there's be. milk and coffee, coffee, coffee. Oh, there's, and I soup? must tell you, so the people that we're serving, I mean, it's a horrifying thing, really, and I don't know that any of us can, um, can get to the place where the people on the street are, to think that you could live in Manhattan, and that the world so does not care for you that it would allow you to sleep outside. It's very early, it's a you know, in the 19th century, uh, the church promulgated the notion that housing is a right. And, uh, and these people are clearly, it is, it is clear, that they've had a right ripped away from them. Uh, the level of, of substance abuse on the streets in New York City these days is phenomenal. 60,000 people uh, are in the shelters in New, York City, in New York City. Our guests who come from Europe are astounded. People who come from Germany and see people begging on the streets
0: in this advanced country. I put quotes around You'll advanced. Say yes, this advanced country. This yeah. advanced democracy. Yeah. Right. yeah. Right. This how advanced
3: many, capitalist state, actually.
0: How many do you serve a day?
3: Well, that's interesting, too, because given the sort of um, ethnic cleansing of Manhattan that's been going on for the last... 40 years. <laughs> mm. um, uh, we... When I came to the Catholic Worker, we would get over 300 people uh, to come to the soup line. The soup line only lasted for an hour and a half. Our kitchen only heard, holds 25 people at a time. So we were moving people through. And, and that has really uh, begun to diminish sort of enormously, particularly this year. As, as it, no year prior have we ever seen such a large drop. In the number of people coming to the house and the amount. So of that them.
0: may be. That sounds like it's good. It's like people. Well, yeah. What would
3: you? What would you? Um, that's not good. No, they're priced. For for priced and priced and policed out yeah. of Manhattan. Out of Manhattan. Well, they're being yeah. disappeared. It's not
1: that yeah. homelessness is decreasing. So they're out in the boroughs, you think? That would assume, or, yeah. yeah. And the
3: shelters.
0: Mm. You know, so, so, so and, and and there are people that stay with you too. And I heard that there were more people that stayed in the past than are that stay now. They actually sleep overnight.
1: Is your house full?
3: Mary House
2: is uh, St. Joseph's full. Mary House is less so; it has more space. We have about twenty people there now, um, but we just take in who we can manage. I mean, small scale is uh, important with this. It
3: used to be the case that um, people could come out of college and do a couple of years at the Catholic Worker to volunteer, but, but right. now they are so overloaded with debt that that um. we see, we see none of them. Wow. People, kids getting out of college these days need to get a job right away. and once you get a job you stay hang on for two, three, four, five years, you've habituated to a very to a different life exactly. and you've grabbed onto something you have a routine and it's working for you maybe just keeping you I mean for most Americans it's just barely keeping your head right. above water right and so we have lost that and we're not, a non- we're not a 501c3 we're not a nonprofit so it's not like we can have their loans deferred From the place.
1: What's that? Donations run the place. Donations run the place. So how is it you're not a, a nonprofit?
3: Well, no, it's a, a 501c3 is a particular form of. Um, if we were a nonprofit, we would have to do an extraordinary amount of paperwork. Ah. Um, and we have. Um, and
1: you're really busy taking care of the guests. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I understand. A tremendous amount of work. Right. Right.
0: Right. Uh, the other thing you do at the um, at uh, all uh, well at your Catholic uh, worker houses is produce a newspaper the Catholic worker, which is a very unusual kind of... Oh, Anthony just showed up. Hi. Hi, Anthony. Hi. How are you doing? From Witness Against Torture. And um, yeah, I, just, I just... You're like, talking about yeah, the, the newspaper. The, the, the newspaper, uh, And it was created by uh, Dorothy Day and Peter Moore. who we want to talk about. Originally, uh, for a penny a copy. How much does it cost now?
1: Same. Penny a, penny a, copy. a copy. Or 25
3: cents a year, right? I, very, I've heard that that was really... Um, and people get it for free. I've heard that to give it a to give it a price actually allowed it to go on newsstands, ah, and that was the reason it was a that penny was so. Essentially, it's free. I would say absolutely sure. And however, so. whenever it has always been the case that whenever the New York Catholic Worker um, does get into uh, dire financial straits, we put a front page ad out and ask people to donate to us, and that has always worked to keep us floating. Uh, above water, yeah. yeah, that's great.
0: Yeah. So, what what kinds of you're one of the um, editors of the Catholic Worker, Martha, aren't you, Carmen? Two. Both of us, are, Martha yeah. and, and Martha too. And I saw uh, there was a Catholic Worker I picked up in Washington when I was there with Witness Against Torture, protest against Guantanamo, which Anthony was there also. And there was, a, and I noticed there was a and there was something that you wrote about uh, poverty. I think in in, in that one. So you both write for the Catholic Worker, also.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We try to.
3: Should be by, just by the way only because you mentioned it four of the seven people who went onto to the base in Kings Bay Georgia had previously in 2005 uh, gone down to Cuba while there was a hunger strike at Guantanamo right uh, to try and call attention to the fact that the United States was torturing prisoners right and the and the, and the torture practice you know the war crimes simply go on and on at this point in Yemen uh, there are 18 black site prisons uh, The Associated Press has covered it there are American interrogators on the spot they don't do the torture though they let the they let the mercenaries do the torture, ah. um, and we we just interview them afterwards. Just like, and they, and they think this absolves them. Right, right, right. Just like
1: we're not in a in a war against Yemen, though it's our bombs that are dropped on the. Bus, you know, bus I kno- I children. knew
0: this was going to happen Stunning. because you all are in so much stuff, that you're trying trying to it's like hurting cats. These you know. We're
1: anarchists.
0: You're anarchists. That you're you're taking over the the radio program here. <laughs> and yeah, go ahead.
1: Okay, so the Catholic Worker Movement began with Dorothy Day when. Dorothy Day met Peter Marin, and we'll talk about that mo- meeting in a minute. But first, I wanted to ask you, Martha Dorothy Day was your grandmother. What was she like as a grandmother? Oh, she was a hell of a granny. She was um,
2: very gentle, very quiet, very strong, very focused. I mean, my mother was permissive, my mother was all over the place. When Granny came to take care of us, we washed the dishes, unlike when our mother was in charge. Hmm. And, you know, as a teenager, I fully understood that she um, was very revered and that she was someone that we shared with the world. And from a very young age, I was, you know, saturated with this culture of um, understanding the suffering of others and caring about the suffering of others. And so she was very much a constant. I mean, I grew up fatherless. So it was my mother and my grandmother who really were the big figures. In your problems. mother
0: tomorrow Tamar. 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 Um, we have you now. Tell us one other little anecdote about your grandmother. Something that you remember that can tell us about who she was as a... As a grandmother. As a grandmother.
2: <laughs> well... She had to watch nine grandkids sort of run wild in Vermont. That was hard on her. And she was a pacifist. And my brothers, having grown up in Vermont, were hunters. And they had guns. And when she came to stay with us, we would put her in the room with the guns. And I feel really badly about that to this to this day. Um, but she was very gentle. I mean, she was, she was very adamant in where she stood. It was very clear. But she allowed us... I mean, she had a young wildlife, and so she was um, very um, receptive to, you know, not clamping down on on others. And I would just say that um, she taught us patience. Uh, Once I was sweeping the floor, I was 16 years old at uh, St. Joe's on the third floor where she lived, and I was, like, really rushing, trying to get the job done, and she said, Martha, slow down. This is how you take the broom strokes. So I, I feel like she gave us, you know, lessons that really...
0: And she showed you how to sweep.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Slow down. Slow just, down. Or just Take small strokes. Yeah. And she called me Martha, and she called my sister Mary Mary. She said, Martha, you need to be more like Mary. <laughs> and she was right.
0: So, so uh, when you hear from the Commonweal magazine, Dorothy Day is one of the most interesting, significant, meaningful figures of the 20th century. That's pretty big.
2: Yeah, that was written at, for an obituary yeah. when she died. Yes, we we understood. So that. you
0: see her, into, you see her as a grandmother, but also as this great figure,
2: uh, an ordinary person and an amazing figure. Yeah, but, and, and she
3: returned, she, and she returned pacifism to the Catholic Church as an issue. Hmm? The U.S. Catholic Something to Church. be
0: considered.
1: So, so the, the Catholic yeah. Worker movement is embraced by the dogma of the Catholic Church.
2: Uh, Not necessarily. I mean, the Catholic, the U.S. Catholic Church, I think it's important that I read this to you about, um, and this was written in the 1950s regarding the Catholic worker movement. The response of the Catholic clergy in America to the philosophy of the Catholic worker has been mixed. Many members of the lower clergy have been attracted by the Catholic worker philosophy and have been inspired by it, but the hierarchy on the whole has remained rather cool to it. This cool response may be a reflection of the desire of the hierarchy to make the Catholic Church acceptable to American bourgeois society. Association of the Church with radical doctrines would jeopardize acceptance. However, there has never been any indications from the hierarchy that the doctrines of the Catholic worker are incompatible with those of the Catholic Church. And it was Peter Moran who brought the dynamite of the Church to Dorothy, the Catholic social teachings.
0: Who was Peter Moran?
2: He was a French peasant. that came from a family of 23 children. He emigrated to Canada in his youth. He was educated by the Christian brothers. He did um, manual labor in North America. He was a philosopher. He was a teacher. And, and he was he, a mega talker. Right and here. he really did know how to talk. My mother said you couldn't get a word in edgewise with him.
3: And he left for the United States in part because he did not want to participate in the war. Peter Morin was also a pacifist.
2: Yeah, he right. left France because he didn't want to participate. So
3: most people recognize that Jesus was a pacifist, um, or, re- or rather, many people recognize that P- Jesus was a pacifist. But by and large, that enormous segment of the population that considers itself Christian would not give pacifism the time of day. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we, we saw the movie that was based on uh, Dorothy Day's early life with Martin Sheen mm. playing uh, Peter Morin. Um, did you ever meet... You never met him. because
2: Peter Morin. He died in 49. I was yeah. born in 55. My right, youngest right. sister, our oldest sister knew of him.
0: Right, right. Um, um, I, can, can we talk a little bit more about uh, Dorothy Day's early life when she was a young girl? Uh, Robert Ellsberg, uh, was the grandson of Daniel Ellsberg, Pen, Pentagon son. paper... Son. Son of Daniel Ellsberg. Sorry about that. Uh, who wrote the Pentagon paper... From Pen- Pentagon paper fame. Uh, Early in life, Dorothy led a rootless bohemian life. According to uh, Robert Ellsberg, she partied, spent time in bars, had love affairs. She hung out out with Eugene O'Neill, took care of him when he was drunk. Um, She was also a newspaper writer, a socialist, a unionist. Um, Who was this young woman? She was a rebel rouser. She was out there. I don't
2: believe that she had many lovers. I don't believe that part. Yeah. But she was a journalist. And she was witnessing in the teens and 20s the plight of the workers, families working and starving, not being able to feed their children. And she was writing about um, American history and the failures of capitalism.
0: And she was involved with the suffragette movement, too.
2: And she never voted. She never (laughs) voted? Not once. Why? My grandfather... Uh, voted wow. for Eugene Debs. Um, she didn't. She's an anarchist, a, a radical Christian anarchist, and she went along uh, with a friend down to D.C. for that. It wasn't that it was based on any strong principles at that point in her life, and she felt that any kind of participation in this uh, government oh, practice. Okay. She did have. She
3: also had a very brutal um, time in jail in that, that in that instance. Uh, they were arrested out in front of the White House. Yeah the, yeah, the
2: women were treated very badly. They went
0: to, uh, they went to a jail, Akwa yes. yes. Right, I read about it. It was, it was horrible what yeah. they did to these women yes. who, were, who were just protesting and asking for the right to vote. Yep. They treated them... I mean, I, 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 I'm sorry I can't quote the actual article. She Maybe was, I'll, I'll link to it. Yeah, wow. yeah. And, and they were force-fed raw eggs, I heard. I mean, it was just awful. Just awful what, what, what they did to them. Um, so she
1: went through a, a, a period of conversion... What was that? What brought that on? The birth of my mother. Um, well, she was raised
2: Episcopalian. Her parents were nominally practicing. She was reading the Bible as a child. She was um, paying attention to her playmates, and neighbors who were quite religious. I mean, it was something that resonated with her, her entire life, this presence of God. Uh-huh. And uh, the Catholic Church, She, as Carmen had Uh, talked about she affiliated with the masses the universal church the poor the working poor and she had my mother baptized um, within a year of her birth and then she herself became baptized and of course it was a conversion of sorrow there wasn't a a lot of joy in it she understood the history of the church um, being on the wrong side of history Mm -hmm. Um, and of course it meant the uh, end of her relationship with the
1: father of her child. And so it brought a tremendous amount of uh, grief and, and heartbreak. Yeah. But it sounds like she was the kind of woman that couldn't do something halfway.
2: Well, God had chosen her, and she did her best to listen to that voice.
3: There was a point in her young life when they were living in um, Chicago, and their circumstances of the family, they had a spasm of, of genuine poverty in the household. And as a young girl returning from school, uh, she would walk with her friends, and she would walk by her own property, her own house, and she would enter into a more elegant hotel, and that's where she would leave her friends. And then when they would leave, she would go back, and she would go back to her house. So she had this spasm of poverty that seemed very interesting That very early in her life to go back to that, to recognize what it was to, to suddenly drop out of, of, right. of, of society right. um, and to be... Um, just that she was so sensitive to she could empathize. To the discrimination that might occur right. for a poor person. Can
0: we talk about poverty as, as a key element to the Catholic worker and Dorothy Day and that experience and her ideas?
3: Voluntary poverty and the daily practice of the works of mercy. That was the easier way of, you had a longer statement yeah. about what the Catholic worker was, yeah. but the shorter one is that one.
0: So, all right, say that again and explain it.
3: Voluntary poverty and the daily practice of the works of mercy. The, never that the community gets paid, it's the full-time thing that they're doing um, if they're part of the core community. And, um, you know, things are pretty, things are really quite good at the house these days. When I got to the house, there was, we never got fresh milk. We now get fresh milk. Um, when I got there, we were still using powdered milk. Oddly enough, the, what happened is that the powdered milk actually became more expensive how that happened um and we used to travel to chinatown once a week to pick up um it was uh refried rice um that we would go to chinatown and uh bring back to the house and that became dinner and at this point uh oh there's a a a place in new jersey called the barn uh and they have for the last 20 years they have been supplying us with vegetables and food uh for free um the founder of the of that group has a uh, had a daughter who was um, who was a nun herself in the in the order of Mother Teresa, uh, and she found out sort of how how poor they were. When he found that out, um, he actually began to bring them food, and then it became sort of a business. They have in that part of New Jersey, forgive me for not remembering the place, um, something uh, it's an enormous store. They clear the shell. It has a it serves a wealthy neighborhood, um, and they uh, clear their vegetables. Uh, more quickly than most right. large stores, right. uh, and they and the workers are allowed to take whatever they want, and then they give the rest of it to the general public. And this organization goes there and takes most of it, and then they distribute it uh, for free. Uh, and, and all the workers there are volunteers. The barn in New Jersey. It's uh, a great gift New to Jersey. the Catholic
1: worker. That's amazing.
0: I, I want to unpack this poverty idea a little. Martha, Peter, you want to say something? Peter
2: talked about voluntary poverty as something that you take on voluntarily clearly and it's it's not rejecting the basics of our needs it's rejecting the luxuries we forego the luxuries so that others can attain the basics and you
0: too live that life of poverty
2: I have a husband who works um, yeah. I don't I think that I am actually middle class middle class white privileged
0: Harmon, do you, do you lead a life of poverty <laughs>
3: I just live in an enhanced environment for the daily practice of the works of mercy, really. I mean, neither I, I, don't, I don't, and several of us from the Kings Bay Plowshares do not have ba- bank accounts. I had a bank account when I got out of college, I paid off my student loans very quickly, and, um, and I have not had a bank account since. So. I, did,
0: I just want to read what uh, Dorothy Day said about poverty. Well, one thing she said, she said, I, can, I condemn poverty and I advocate it. Poverty is simple. And complex at once, it is a social phenomenon and a personal matter. It is a paradox.
3: What we are not is we are not destitute. The people on the street are destitute. We are not destitute, and yeah. we have we have a community. We have friends, and you know, since 1933, no one has uh, there, there's been a, a group surrounding us, a cloud of witnesses surrounding us that have not allowed us to fail.
0: But you're certainly not rich. You you don't have a lot of stuff.
2: It's also a means of not supporting the um, war-making economy. The the more simply that you can live, and this ties in with the climate disruption as well, the more simply we live, the less we rely on the war machine that requires infinite consumption of resources for a high standard
1: of living. And it has to keep being ratcheted up and up and up and up. So Dorothy Day did not want to be considered a saint. Why is that? That was just one quote from her. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah tell We're us, all tell us called
2: to become saints. Wow. We're, we're, all, we're all called to become saints. That's what she saints.
3: says. We're all called to become saints. That's what Dorothy Day says. That's and what, what, she's th- what she thought herself says. is that perhaps she wasn't worthy of it, and she didn't want to be called a saint. She said, it, in part because it sets her on a pedestal, right. and, and no, one, no one else can do it. Only Dorothy can do it. Right. But that's not true, and she wanted to be um, face-to-face with you saying that, no, you can do it too. She didn't mm-hmm. want to be held back. She, she didn't wanted want to think It was special, that what she was doing was special. What she was doing should be normal. If we were giving ourselves to each other, then, right. that would, then this would be normal. To have people in at your house for dinner would be normal. To have people on the streets begging for food would be wildly abnormal. abnormal, abnormal. Right.
0: That's the right. best explanation I've heard of, of, of that. Because I've been doing a lot of reading to get ready for our talk here. And that is the best thing. We're all saints. Or potentially. We should be. We, we potentially should, we should be working towards working that towards We can it. choose,
1: our free will can help us to Choose what's better for the what, common goal. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah
1: So I understand there's a discussion <laughs> within the church That Dorothy Day should be Considered for sainthood Do you think that's going to happen?
0: Knowing the Catholic Church uh, Hierarchy today, is that going to happen?
1: Uh, we
2: desperately need her as a saint in these times Because of all the what she scandal for. That goes on with the church
1: mm.
0: um. So the church needs
1: her I mean, but, if there was anyone... well the church needs her but the Catholics need her as well I think she'd be I think I would admire her as a saint I mean I mean, I admire her anyway but well, she is a saint they just haven't
2: done the expensive paperwork of it yet Yeah.
0: and uh, we're going to take a break here and be right back with uh, Martha Hennessy and Carmen Trotta here on Barcrow Radio uh, they're workers in the Catholic workers movement
2: if you're brother is hungry, you feed him. You don't meet him at the door and say, go be thou filled or wait for a few weeks and you'll get a welfare check. And you sit him down and feed him. And so that's how the soup kitchen started. As a matter of fact, we didn't start it at all. We were feeding a house full of people, but uh, the soup line started because one of the men who had charge of the clothes room didn't have any more clothes to give out, so he began saying, just come in and have a cup of coffee. And so pretty soon a line formed at the door. Peter Morin was always in favor of soup, being a good French peasant. So it became a soup line. And we still have the soup line, a couple of hundred people a day coming in.
1: You are listening to Bar Crawl Radio on the porch at Gebhardt's Beer Culture Bar on West 72nd Street, across the street from the mortuary and down the block from papaya hot dogs and Trader Joe's. Our conversation today is with two most interesting people, who have literally dedicated their lives to the work of peace and helping the poor. These are not your usual New Yorkers. Are we okay with our drinks, by the way? <laughs> yes. <some laughs> okay. I mean, Carmen, you're, uh, okay.
0: you're going on your second. I'm here.
3: thriving. Yes. Yeah. I'm
0: uh, thriving. You're, you're driving. Oh my no, goodness. No, thriving. Thriving. You're thriving. Okay. Don't drive because right <laughs> the subway's right up right the street there. It's right, right up the street there. So you can.
3: I don't think he has any You can let, this, to let New York. When the time comes, you, you can point me in the right direction. There, okay? Oh, I will. Yeah. I
0: will. All right. So, let's learn a little bit more about about you two in particular. Um, Martha, you're a retired occupational therapist. Uh, You work now at the Catholic Worker, Mary House, in the Lower East Side. Forgive me if I make any mistakes here. You spend part of your time with your family in Vermont and part of the time here. We talked a little bit about that.
1: And Carmen, you're an associate editor for the Catholic Worker newspaper and on the executive board of the War Registers League. The War Resisters League.
3: Only for a, a couple of years. I was a couple. The different. war resistance, but not anymore. But I'm, I'm quite no, but and I'm quite proud of the organization. Dave McReynolds, dear friend, died not very long ago. Um, they they are a sort of fiercely secular, uh, peace group, and uh, they've done a lot of uh, very good work. I mean, the fiercely
0: years. secular in the sense secular in the sense they're not Catholic. <laughs> yeah, you I'm, I'm seeing kind of yeah, maybe no. All right, okay. Maybe that's another that's another bar pro radio about the. Uh, Aj uh,
3: Musty uh, w- was one of the people who was a major person in the War Resisters League, um, and he and Dorothy Day got along sort of um, famously. David McReynolds <coughs> was, of course, uh, the, uh, the the person who made the civil defense drills uh, that Dorothy organized in the 1950s. Dorothy created in the uh, 1955 to 1961, but it was the fourth year uh, that David came to town, became uh, member of the War Resisters League. And David was the one who brought suddenly from 12 people, 15 people coming to these uh, monthly or rather annual yearly demonstrations. Um, You suddenly had when David came to town, 600 people came, 1,000 people came. Um, And ultimately, I think it was uh, 2,500 people came and they shut off the civil defense drills. Civil defense in New York City Dorothy Day went to jail for that for 30 days at one point for, for refusing to go underground and what Dorothy and AJ musty had to say um, was that the civil defense drills were psychological warfare against the American people. The fact that we could you could survive a nuclear war. We weren't the city was not going to survive. What, the, what they said was basically that if you went into the subways to seek shelter from the nuclear there bomb that would be your grave. That would be your grave. That yeah. would be your grave. Well,
0: they,
1: I remember they know where to find you. Find the bodies. I remember yeah. being more. I've never been more terrified in my life mm. than I was as a child, mm. and with these civil defense drills and told to get under my uh, get under
0: the friggin' desk. The
1: desk. Yeah. I mean, just that we had to practice getting under a desk the because desk a would bomb melt, might melt over your body. drop on us at any time. That people were building shelters in their backyard. I was born in '55 too. Mm. I was terrified, and I've hated. Nuclear missiles ever since. Yeah, and I
0: grew up in Miami during the uh, Cuban crisis, mm, during the missile crisis,
1: not the least of which because our country dropped it on uh, Japan.
0: Yeah, right.
3: Like I, as a child myself, I was at a Catholic school. I was in third grade, and I was very close to Kennedy Airport. And planes would fly in over the school, and as they would fly in, they would open up. Um, they would open up for the landing gear to come down, um, and every time it opened up, my question was, was it? A, had, how can you tell the difference between a Soviet. Jet yeah, and a jet going into Kennedy Airport and when it opened up I was always waiting for the bomb
0: yeah mm.
1: so how did you come to this life what brought you I mean your, your, it was your family business I guess in a way more business. A, not a business well the business of helping people
2: uh, yes yeah I was born into it but it took me a lifetime to really grow into it I was out of the Catholic Church in my 20s and 30s and 40s what happened uh, I don 't know i the Catholic Church didn't do right by mo- women and children, as far as I could tell uh-huh. m- with my mother's experience. Yeah. Um, so I spent you know a, a lifetime working, paying my war taxes. What work did you do? Occupational therapist, I work with kids with right. learning differences and with the elderly. And Did you enjoy that work? I loved it. It was a great profession. And I've just about every um, decision, major decision that I've made in my life has been influenced by what my mother and grandmother would have to say about it. So I've been deeply influenced, but it took me forever to come to grips with what my baptism, in, baptism meant and what uh, the work at the house really meant. So have you come back to the church? I had to do that before coming back to the Catholic
3: Worker, mm. actually.
0: And Carmen, how did you become a Catholic worker follower? Or person?
3: (laughs) I did so out of college. I had a, um, the chaplain uh, at the school that I went to, Dennis Haas at Grinnell College in Iowa, uh, sent me uh, to the Catholic worker. We had had, uh, he'd become, why did he become close to me? Because he was such a good preacher. I used to go to mass, but he was such a good preacher that I would go to listen to him every Sunday. Um, he he, he did, did wonders with the scripture. And, um, and it was through him, he was at Grinnell uh, during the war in Vietnam. Um, and the question of my life, the reason that I think that I went to college, the great motive that I had for wanting to go to college is because I wanted to figure out who was right and wrong in the war in Vietnam. Wow. And it was Dennis Haas at Grinnell and uh, the history professor there but the, among the first things they said to me is, you've got to understand, the students knew more than we did at that time, mm-hmm. and, uh, and Dennis Hodd had, had, had uh, quite a remarkable uh, history with the students there and was a radical himself, and I, and I think in certain ways certainly knew who Daniel Berrigan was. Um, but the, the main document that hit me, the, thing that, that the answer, when the answer finally came, it was Martin Luther King's Beyond the Viet- Vietnam speech, and that should be a required reading uh, for everyone in high school these days. Martin Luther King's Beyond Vietnam speech, and what he said in there that was so important to me at the time was that by 1954, the United States was paying for, 50, for 80% of the French effort. The French effort was to recolonize Vietnam, so we had no better motive for being there. Um, but then, of course, he said it would be seductively tempting to, to stop there. Um, and he went beyond Vietnam, and he began to talk about Guatemala. Um, and El, and El Salvador, um, and places in, uh, in, in Mozambique, in Africa, in South Africa, in Asia, um, that the United States military had become exactly what John Kennedy called it. It was a Pax Americana, like the Pax Romana. Um, an an we industrial
0: were, complex, according to Eisenhower. Yeah, the military
3: industrial complex, absolutely. And so it was from there that because of both my faith, he became my academic advisor, Dennis Haas, And he knew of the Des Moines Catholic Work. And the Des Moines Catholic Work was founded by Frank Cordero, who in 1976, immediately after the war in Vietnam, and it was born of the energy uh, of the anti-Vietnam War movement. Um, And I'm deeply, I'm I'm very, very thankful for that because I think of that as a high point in American history. The American people resisted the war. A significant portion of the American public resisted the war overtly. It was a high point, I agree.
0: Yeah, but it was many years ago.
3: You have both (laughs) been... Where are
0: we now? But we want to get to that. That's our last question.
2: Yeah, I was 14 when my brother at the age of 20 was sent to Vietnam, and that was pretty
1: radicalizing for all of us. So and part of what you do is your um, activism. You've both been incarcerated many times, um, and you're, you're a part of the Kings Bay Plowshare 7 and are under house arrest, facing the possibility of many years in federal prison for your actions.
0: And you're, you're only allowed to go so far from your place of residence down in the Bowery um, and, and, and how? what are your restrictions? Cause I, I, we, we took a picture of your ankle bracelets um, I've got to say Carmen's is a lot more impressive <laughs> than Martha's uh,
2: The GPS doesn't work in the hills of Vermont
0: Ah So you can actually walk where you want to Yeah, right now So What, what are the restrictions that, that uh, the court has curfew. put on you?
2: We're on curfew We have to be in our houses from 8.30pm to 7am and we have to get permission to travel anywhere outside of... I mean, for Carmen and I both, we're allowed to be in two locations, our family homes and the work at the Catholic Worker.
0: Then how come you can get get to come to Gephardt's up on West 72nd Street?
2: Well, I think this is part of the district that we're restricted
0: to. Okay, so you're allowed to come up up here?
3: We need to be home at 8.30. Okay. We need to be be home for a curfew. The curfew is 8.30. Yes,
0: mom and dad will make sure you're home (laughs) before the curfew's over. Yeah. So I just
1: want to share with you that uh, as a young mother in 1987, I took a train uh, just for a three-day trip to Cape Canaveral to protest with, along with Dr. Spock, to protest the testing of the Trident Missile. And as it turns out, my father, uh, whos who was, he's passed away since then, was a practicing Catholic, um, worked on that um, project. Mm-hmm. So um, that's how much my father and I differ, mm. but uh, about a year ago, you two and five others broke through a fence and walked onto the U.S. Trident submarine nuclear missile base in St. Mary's, Georgia. This is the largest storage area of nuclear war devices in the world. Why did you choose to do this action?
2: Well, I had, I had been aware of the Plowshares movement since its inception in 1980 with the Bergen brothers and... You know, it's similar to how do I explain myself for coming back into the church and coming back into the Catholic Worker and finding myself um, participating. Uh, we did the daily readings. Um, we, it was a very um, complex and uncomfortable discernment process for me. And some of us in the group have done Plowshares actions in the past. Uh, Carmen and I are the neophytes in the group. And the reason we chose the Trident missile site was because that is the most deadly weapons uh, system that we have. It can strike anywhere on the planet within 15 minutes. Whoa. And recently, they were doing some testing. Uh, on May 9th, down in uh, Kings Bay, the birthdays of both Dan Berrigan and Peter Morin, um, a Trident 2 D-5 missile, unarmed, of course, was shot off. And I think since we've done the action, more and more obvious concern is coming to the forefront with Donald Trump threatening to use these weapons. We are now going to be spending $1.7 trillion to upgrade our weapons system. And the point is, we want to make these weapons more usable, and so I felt... I have also had a chance to travel to Korea what and What do you mean potentially Iran.
0: usable, make it easier to use?
2: Easier to use in that supposedly we can control the amount of radiation release. the dial-up, dial-down uh, mechanisms on yep. these new uh, weapons systems. And I could not not participate in such an action after my years of study and
1: awareness of this
2: problem.
0: I, I, I,
1: wait, I wait, I don't, I don't understand. Yeah. What do you mean... We want to make them easier to use. You mean the the United United States, States, the
2: weapons dealers, and it makes them even more dangerous. To make them more usable and get away with it, supposedly to get away. These are first strike weapons, obviously.
3: Carmen,
0: go ahead, you wanted to say something.
3: What they don't want recognize that the weapons are rather clearly illegal by a very simple derivation of international law if you care at all for international law. The federal courts care not at all for international law, or they are very careful about international law. They don't want it introduced at trial. Um,
0: yeah, I mean there's there's all these, you know, very reasonable, logical, existential arguments for going on this. Nuclear base, which I hear is very large, and we heard a bit about the whole story about how it would happen. And but I mean, how do you make that decision as a person? It must be a, a very emotional.
1: Community. As a community. I mean, as an
0: individual, how do you come to that and say, mm-hmm. "I've, I've, I've got to do this"? What What is that point where you go like, "Oh, I'm going to te- do this"?
2: Right. What are the teachings of Christ in the 21st century for us? How do we, if we want to call ourselves disciples of Christ, what does that mean in our own times? and our own problems. And you know, the two greatest existential threats are climate disruption and nuclear holocaust. People are now saying um, AI is is also part of that um, problem. And if I'm going to talk the talk, how am I going to walk the walk? I mean, Dorothy handed me John Hershey's book, Hiroshima, when I was a kid, and that embedded itself in me and this experience of, you know, returning to one's baptism has to be translated into action. Faith without works is, is empty.
0: Where are you now with the legal process? Where, I mean, are, you you're, you're, a, you're facing years ahead? Is it? Um, Do
1: you have a trial date? No,
2: no trial date yet. They, they're, I don't think they're anxious to, for us to have a trial because of this question of bringing the legality of the weapons to the federal court system. But we are uh, waiting for a response from the uh, trial judge. Hopefully a trial date will be set in the near future.
0: And you'll stay in touch with us as um, we move forward. We, 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 sure. we do get updates. So we'd yeah. li- we, we would, website. We would love to keep, keep, keep up with your, your trials and tribulations and, uh, and, and, and works that you're doing.
1: Dorothy Day talks about by little and by little. What does that mean?
2: One of her favorite saints was uh, Therese of Lisieux, and she was the the saint of the little way. Uh, Dorothy was accused of putting a Band-Aid on a cancer with trying to deal with the immediate needs of the poor. And we have to live our lives taking small steps and doing humble work and praying that the uh, effects will be felt.
0: You know, I, I I, embedded myself with the Witness Against Torture in, in Washington, D.C. when they were protesting uh, the um, the Guantanamo uh, um, incarcerations there. And one of the questions I kept asking is what good does this all do? Mm-hmm. I mean, I would walk around with them. I'd walk with the hooded uh, um, uh, prisoners uh, representing the Guantanamo prisoners and I'd ask people along the way do you, do you know what's going on? And many times they said, no. I, I don't know. And I as kind of a kind of like, I'm in the air. It's like, yeah, quasi- radio. we're journalist. out there. We, it's part of our job is to kind of get, get the message out. Uh, how do you get that message out? Is that message going out? This is a very, as Dorothy Day says, this is a very complex thing you're doing. And I doubt many people really get it. Not that they couldn't, but they don't get it.
3: Bush, Cheney, Rumsfeld um, are free and at large. Um, Gina Haspel has gotten a raise. These are the people who were Um, deeply behind uh, our government's use of torture Um, the action in Yemen, Kathy Kelly came to town, you remember Kathy Kelly? We had her on the show recently. And Kathy Kelly had the Catholic work begin uh, outside the UN and now in Union Square Park weekly Uh, an update on what's going on in Yemen, on the war crimes that we are committing in Yemen and it is within that context that, that I entered the process, and I didn't know who was going to be in the room when I entered the process for the Kings Bay Plowshares. And when I saw who was in the room, um, these people had already had already served had already had prior felonies. In which case, um, they are going to suffer. They're going to be sentenced more deeply uh, than I am. I knew them all, and we had all been involved in many things together, including the trip to uh, Bontanamo. Bontanamo. right? So, you know, so. I was in the position of often, uh, in the same way that Martha was, that I could not not do this uh, with these people who were calling for it. Now, I don't know what change it's going to make. I don't know that we can stop climate change. I have no idea what that can stop. I don't know that we can stop the Trump administration from going ahead. But recently, uh, it seems to me that we are giving the recipe for nuclear weapons to Saudi Arabia. Astounding, astounding. Um, and it calls for a revolt. And really, there have been revolts. There have been, we are, we are watching the, the Extinction Rebellion take form. The women's uh, movement in Washington, D.C., those demonstrations, we've never seen the likes of them before. So there's a lot of good stuff to go and build on. Mm-hmm. Um, I was lucky enough to have, uh, I offered uh, Phil Berrigan, the last time he spoke publicly, I had brought him to the stage. It was about the war in Iraq, and when he left the stage, his last words to the American Republic were, don't get tired. And uh, you would mentioned... Um, the Eisenhower earlier in the military industrial complex but he says that there's a solution to that and it is a, it, it it's an informed and, and conscious people um, is his solution to it that the people need to be informed in which case they can raise the battle and I don't I'm, I'm really I can be sort of remarkably optimistic uh, at certain times
0: Martha any last words
3: well um, since doing this action I feel
2: an incredible sense of liberation and joy in the fact that I did say no to the nuclear arsenal. And we're simply called to do the best we can and to witness as best we can to, for the common good. And I'm happy with that. Um, can I just read you again?
0: Please, The go right Catholic ahead.
2: Worker is not discouraged if the world shows no signs of adopting its program as such. The canons of success of the world are not those of the Catholic Worker. The doctrine of personalism only demands that each individual preach what he believes to be right and do everything possible to realize it. When the individual has done this, his responsibility is satisfied, and it is society's responsibility to respond to the right that has been set forth. The important thing is that the individual remain true to his ideals, though the whole world go elsewhere.
0: Thank you, Martha. Thank you, Carmen. Becky and I have been talking with Carmen Trotta and Martha Hennessy, members of the Catholic Worker Movement and the Kings Bay Plowshare Seven. As we speak, they await the court's decision on whether they will serve significant time in a federal prison. Martha and Carmen, we've been looking so forward to talking to you. We are honored that you have taken the time to come uptown to share your experiences and help us learn about your work for peace in our world and about Dorothy Day and Peter Morin and the Catholic Worker Movement. Thank you so very much for joining us on Bar Call Radio.
3: Thank you for having us. Can I get another beer? Thank you. Absolutely. You
1: absolutely. You it's, all, it's on us. And if you would like to donate to their work, we suggest that you write to the Catholic Worker, 36 East 1st Street, New York, New York, 10003 phone number 212-777-9617. We will post this address on the BCR website, barcrawlradio.com.
0: And Becky and I are always interested in your comments on our programming and welcome your emails and questions and suggestions. Just contact us at barcrawlradio at gmail.com. And, and remember, remember, the, the most, most interesting, interesting conversation happens, happens in your neighborhood,
3: neighborhood bar. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we say, anyway. <laughs> we to be with... So thank, thank you, you very own. much. You guys are great to be here. Very nice. It's a nice, it's very good atmosphere. It, it atmosphere. is a good atmosphere. The fact that you heard the sounds around you, and the
0: buses always come to that point in the They always they stop right there. <laughs> and I know they didn't leave.
2: <laughs> this is what Dorothy wrote in September of 1945 after the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Mr. Truman was jubilant, President Truman, true man. What a strange name, come to think of it. We refer to Jesus Christ as true God and true man. Truman is a true man of his time in that he was jubilant. He was not a son of God, brother of Christ, brother of the Japanese, jubilating as he did. He went from table to table on the cruiser, which was bringing him home from the Big Three conference, telling the great news. Jubilant, the newspapers said, Jubilate Deo, we have killed 318,000 Japanese. That is, we hope we have killed them, the Associated Press on page one, column one of the Herald Tribune says. The effect is hoped for, not known. It is to be hoped that they are vaporized, our Japanese brothers, scattered, men, women, and babies, to the four winds over the seven seas. Perhaps we will breathe their dust into our nostrils, feel them in the fog of New York on our faces, feel them in the rain on the hills of Easton. Jubilate Deo, President Truman, was jubilant. We have created destruction. We have created a new element called Pluto. Nature had nothing to do with it. Great Britain controls the supply of uranium ore in Canada and Rhodesia. We are making the bombs. This new great force will be used for good, the scientists assure us. And then they wiped out a city of 318,000. This was good. The president was jubilant. Yes, God is still in the picture. God is not mocked. Today, the, the day of this so great news, God made a madman dance and talk who had not spoken for 20 years. God sent a typhoon to damage the carrier hornet. God permitted a fog to obscure vision and a bomber crashed into the Empire State Building. God permits these things. We have to remember it. We are held in God's hands, all of us, And President Truman, too, and these scientists who have created death, but will use it for good. He, God, holds our life and our happiness, our sanity and our health. Our lives are in his hands. He is our creator. Creator. Everyone says, I wonder what the Pope thinks of it. How everyone turns to the Vatican for judgment, even though they do not seem to listen to the voice there but our Lord himself has already pronounced judgment on the atomic bomb. When James and John, John the beloved, wished to call down fire from heaven on their enemies, Jesus said, you know not of what spirit you are. The son of man came not to destroy souls, but to save. He said also, what you do unto the least of these, my brethren, you do unto me.